Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo, Mike Munchneider, and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite for our Back to School special. But before we get into it, we've got an opportunity for our listeners. After partnering with Chipotle to promote the return and remastering of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, the only logical next step is to partner with skateboarding's premier podcast, Mostly Skateboarding, to do a giveaway. The game just dropped, so go get it or try to win it from us. All you have to do is write a review of the show on iTunes or wherever, screenshot that review, share it on Instagram, be sure you tag Mostly Skateboarding so that we see it, uh, and then you're entered. We've got three games to give away, so your chances are pretty good because we're a small show. The game, by now, you already know it's classic. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 rebuilt in HD from the ground up. All your favorite modes, all your favorite characters, plus new ones. We've got the game for PS4, but you can buy it for Xbox and PC too. Enter ASAP. Our deadline for entry is September 23rd, and we can only ship within the United States. So sorry to our international listeners. Uh, We still love you, and you guys have probably better skate spots than us, so um, you can't be that mad about it. And now on to the show. School is a place where skateboarding happens, from meeting people to showing off to spots. Many a skater has been formed by school. In fact, skateboarding itself became what it is thanks to Southern California's banked blacktop schoolyards. Mike, what's your first school skate memory? It's kind of a weird one, and it wasn't immediately what I thought it was going to be when I like actually read you know, our, our, the, the loose script that we have. So... Back in the day, I must have been about 13, and this was actually the same year that I actually actually started skating, but um, my sister, who's like two or three years older than me, depends on what time of year it is, she hung out with some skaters, and so this is mid-90s, it's a total, you know, lowest of the low for skateboarding, at least in the most recent history, and we went to the high school by our house, which was Hopkins High School, where I ended up skating a bunch. And um, these kids, I don't know, they were they were doing some flip tricks, probably weren't getting up on the benches that were like a knee high good ledge. And I, re- I just remember being super bummed out because I'd skated before I had uh, actually had like my first legit setup, uh, Santa Cruz Everslick Tracker B-52s and Bones wheels, 45 millimeters that were super wide. As a littler kid, I'd learned how to like roll off curbs and, you know, just like kind of non thinking little kid stuff. And I was super bummed on that instance when I couldn't, like, I couldn't ride off the curb anymore. I was bailing. And that's kind of the indelible image of that day, like, bailing out on that. So, damn, starting off with a bummer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can only go Jason. up from here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason, like, school, skateboarding, what? Yeah, funny thing about, like, the Cali schoolyards with the banks. Like, for some reason around here... There are a bunch of schools where, like, the blacktop is, like, on the top of, like, a hill, but the sides of the hill are, like, banks, so I guess it's, like, a trapezoid or whatever. So, I mean, you're just skating, like, in high school, middle school, whatever, was this one elementary school with, like, just, like, a big blacktop and this, like, perfect for the time, like, calf-high ledge, so... That place was pretty rad. Skated there like it's on after school, whatever. Eventually it became a bus, of course. But yeah, like the thing about schoolyards were tight at the time because, like, you could kind of imagine or delusionally imagine that you're in like world industries land. You know what I mean? Like Rancho Cucamonga or whatever. <laughs> My favorite California play, place name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, like, there's this other private school near my house that had, like, a good bench and stuff. And this is a crazy story. One time I went there, and uh, the principal or whatever had the John Cartier slick with uh, candy. You know what I mean? It's like a semi-notable board or whatever. And he tried to, like, pry it out of my hands, which is wild. Like, it was like a wild move for an administrator. And he was like, I'll never forget that. He said, you are incorrigible. So I was like, damn, what does incorrigible mean? So I had to go home and look it up. That was <laughs> that pretty was gnarly. Led you down a path to become a writer. I know. I was yeah. gonna say. Yeah, no, yeah. Funny thing, right? I know that works out. That that principal introduced you to the dictionary. <laughs> and it was all had to break out the OED. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does incorrigible mean? Oh, it means like you can't uh, be reformed or whatever or corrected. So I was like, damn. Good work. Rock. Great attitude for a school administrator. <laughs> you know, I, I will say real quick, just on the idea of getting kicked out at the school. Like I said, I ended up, forget if I mentioned Hopkins High School. Like I ended up going to that high school and we skated there before that. And Dale, I don't remember Dale's last name. At one point I knew it. Dale was like the least enthusiastic dude who would kick you out. And we got even, we weren't out of middle school yet. And Dale would come out and we just wave. And then we got to high school, and it's like, oh, shit, we know Dale. <laughs> Dale's in the halls, too. And, yeah, so Dale, Dale, and knowing the person who would kick you out at your school, like, on and off hours, it, it was pretty fun. Was he, uh, like, a custodian or something? No, he was a um, he was a hall monitor. I don't know what the proper, you know, what his proper title was. Oh, was wish- he... Was he a paraprofessional, like uh, someone who was kind of like in and out of classrooms uh, just to kind of mind the kids and help out the teachers? Or was he a permanent hall monitor? Because that sounds like a sweet job. You know, he might have he might have erred on the paraprofessional side of things, just where like it seemed like a multifaceted job, you Mm -hmm. know, like guy who is actually pretty damn chill and, you know, could actually work with people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think he erred on that side, though I honestly don't remember. I wish I'd have uh, jotted him down in the notes. And, like, my, my yearbook, I, I record in the basement, so the high school yearbook isn't that far off. But, uh, alas, nice. we're live. You know, I think you, you could tell a lot about skaters by how they treat custodians and people who work on school grounds. I think uh, we, we all grew up in the 1990s where it was pretty much just cool to be a dick. And it's kind of sad because I think that if we... Knew then what we knew now about being nice, about asking politely, about uh, not attracting heat to a spot. I, I think we probably would have had some longer, more legendary sessions. But because of the time, it was it was you know it was hyped to cuss people out. It was hyped to get into trouble. It was hyped to kind of flirt with danger or disaster. You know, I think we we made a lot of problems for ourselves. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Very true. Like, like tagging, like tagging everything. It wasn't even tagging. It was like it was like okay, you'd skate, and maybe some of your friends tagged. And I think it was Lee Smith talked about this in one of his interviews, reminiscing about EMB. He said, you know, the spot was chill for some years, but when we started, some of us started doing graffiti and started going to parties and getting into trouble with certain people, and someone would uh, do a throw up over somebody else's piece. Then they'd come down to EMB and like, oh, such and such, uh, that character hangs out down there, and they'd bring all their friends. And then next thing you know. You, you blow up the spot, you make it hot because now you're attracting cats who are there just to fight. And and that was the thing, like skateboarding itself is whatever. But at the time, because it was still very much a rebel activity, it was like my high school, we, we kicked it with all the like the serious hip hop heads. Right. 
We had a couple kids whose families had like, we were, you know, because Rockland County, Westchester County are not part of, um, are not part of New York City, obviously, right? But, you know, people would have aunties and uncles and such and such. So they'd send the kids to go live there. So you'd have some really wild kids from the Bronx and from Brooklyn going out to live with their, with their relatives in the suburbs. And the interesting thing was that demographically, the near suburbs of New York are pretty much just the city. Like, my family is Ugandan, but most of our neighbors uh, in my town were Jewish, you know, families from the Bronx and Brooklyn and Queens. And then in the next town over, Congers, that was more, mostly like Irish and uh, Italian-American. So it was pretty much a mirror image of the city. Uh, and a lot of folks were, you know, first generation suburbanite. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Like we used to chill with the hip hop heads. We, the other high school had some metal heads. Um, and, you know, I think it was just, it was cool to get into trouble. And, you know, once we were able to start taking the bus down into the city, take the train into the city, it was, you know, some of us just end up just getting live. Some, some of us end up getting, um, you know, just kind of just falling into that. I had some friends who like, Dropped out of high school like 15, 16, and weren't doing shit, honestly. Hmm. It was only like in the 20s they kind of, um, you know, like they pretty much like all dropped out of school to smoke weed, which is was some wild shit. Not a doubt. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I certainly didn't do well in school, but I knew I was going to college, and that like skating, like college was basically just like pick a skate destination or like a way to to go and skate more you know like my my college was chosen based largely on available skate spots on campus you know mm -hmm. it was just like oh nice. they had do they have um ledges it, yeah <laughs> sign me up <clears throat> you haven't so, changed yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's everybody though you know if you have the opportunity to go to a new city and get a new start whether or not you're going to college um you definitely want to know is it skatable and so funny story. <laughs> uh, while I was looking, at, while I was looking at colleges, my parents sent me on a uh, a Jack and Jill trip to look at universities. So for those of you who do not know, Jack and Jill is an African American organization um, that is focused on cultivating the next generation. To translate that, um, it's a lot of like very bougie or petit bourgeois, like think Whitley Gilbert from a different world type of black nice. folks, right? Nice. And I'm like round hole square peg with this crew, right? Because I'm, I'm on this, I meet up with all these people, right? And so first of all, I'm Ugandan American, right? So there was a couple other West, there were West Indians on the trip, but the rest were all like old school black Americans from New York, like generations deep in the area, right? So there's that, right? Number two, I'm a skater, right? <laughs> like I'm a skater <laughs> and I'm on this, like, I'm on this, uh, you know, and I'm on this trip. And, and up until that point, the overwhelming majority of black folks I hung out with were either African, Ugandans like myself, some Kenyans, or, or they were West Indians, like Jamaicans and Haitians. So there was like a lot of culture shock on this trip. And we went all through the South. Like we went to, was it Hampton? We went to Howard. We went down to, like we went down to South Carolina. I can't remember what school that we saw. But one school that did stand out was where I ended up going, and it was not an HBCU, historically black college or university. It was University of Maryland College Park because of the ledges that were right in front of the dorm where I lived the first two years of undergrad. Shout out to Dirty Seven South, Centerville Hall. You've probably seen these videos. Like going to Maryland, I got to skate DC. I got to skate with Jake Rupp. I got to skate with cats who knew Jake Rupp. Yeah. I then ended up staying in DC from like what, 20 years ago, 2000. You know, with a couple of years off traveling here and there until 2014. So 
hey, don't you see the right ledge? <laughs> that shit could change your life. <laughs> For real. It's it's one jacked story about being a shithead when you get kicked out and or just being, you know, a sucker. And this wasn't me. So just very quick. And then, yeah, I, I got a college story. Jason has the college story. Maybe I'm assuming. We got kicked out. We were like driving or so, someone in the crew had a car. And this is just on like tagging, but like in the most jacked manner. We were at Eisenhower Elementary School, four stair ledge, four stair skate. Well, we got kicked out and there, were, there was like another trio of skaters and we'd never seen them. And I swear I'd never seen them since. Like these dudes were ghosts. Custodian kicks us out on a Saturday afternoon. Like we walked to our car first and those dudes like didn't really park in the parking lot. But they just like parked like in the driveway or something. Minnesota has a lot of Canada geese. Custodian's still outside and we're like getting into our car and we notice these dudes like literally like revving their engine. And there's a goose walking through the driveway, kind of like the circle around the big like road that kind of goes around the whole school zone. Yeah. And these skaters who just got kicked out alongside us rev the engine and then got up to like 35 and just smoked the goose. Holy oh, shit. Oh, come on. And it, it was brutal, dude. I, I like... I don't know. I was like 14 or 15. Obviously, I'm still talking about it and calling it brutal because like the poor animal just got caught underneath. Dudes drove off. And then we like us kids who were getting in our car, we went and talked to the custodian. We were like, what the fuck did those dudes just do? You know, like we were all kind of aghast just at like the animal cruelty of it all. So, um, yeah, story worth telling, not exactly fun. So. That's, and you know, the sad part is, like, at the time, um, it was, like I said, I think it just goes back to a 1990s thing. Being a shithead like that was pretty normalized and even reinforced. And, 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 and like, look what ended up happening, like, with CKY. I don't think there was ever any animal cruelty in those videos. But, like, that first land speed video and CKY and CKY2K, like, I think that inspired a lot of young cats to start doing dumb shit. And speaking of school, let me tell you, you want to know the videos? that got your friends who did not skate into skating or just like to appreciate skating was CKY. All of a sudden, like you throw that on at a, at a, at a house party, college party, whatever, people are just like, yo, this is crazy, man. <laughs> you skaters are nuts. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Bam. Bam, you actually, you were the peacemaker. Bam, you and your whole crew like actually got, uh, you know, as much as we want to give credit to Tony Hawk's pro skater, we got to give credit to, to Jackass and to CKY, CKY2K. You know, for establishing establishing some 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 good bonds. You know, people saw you know like oh these skateboarders are a little wild, but yeah they're all right. Yeah, definitely out filming. Have had many people say like, "Are you guys filming for Jackass?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is better than get the fuck out of here. Right, it's kind of like yeah. the typical response. Or like, yeah, when I was in college or whatever, it was like Scarred. Remember that show Scarred? Ooh. Oh yeah, it was like y'all filming for Scarred. It's like. What like uh, yeah so that yeah so MTV kind of had a part in I guess blowing skating up a little bit. That MTV line is like a little under um, under examined. I'll leave it there. But yeah, Jason, you you had a you had a college story, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I we went to college in New York at Columbia. Um, no shit. Yeah, I'm what? pretty sure. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure I was like the only like real skater like you know or that actually skated a lot in like my uh class or whatever so like first week i went and skated around there's like tons of marble ledges and shit like i wondered why people didn't come up and skate them like 
from all around. Like, I think they do now, but, like, back then, there were so many spots in New York that people just, like, didn't care to go there. Like, Flushing Meadow, you know what I mean? It's like, what? No one went there because it was like, oh, it's too far, blah, blah, blah. It was far. Yeah, it it still is far, yeah. Right. Not far, but, um, so, yeah, like, I found this plaza with, like, it looked kind of like New Spot. Like, it was by the law library in this one dorm. And I linked to a photo of Pulio doing, like, a nose blunt off the uh, the three or whatever on a bench. Not a bench. Yeah, like a tailor or something. He was in stop or whatever. And there was also this, like, weird sculpture. Like, it's really hard to describe. It was, like, a, a sphere with, like, four quarter pipes coming off of it. Like, some people have gotten footage on it. Like, I tried. I thought Jerry Sue had some footage on it, but I couldn't find it. Maybe Billy Rohan or something. Like, it's been in a bunch of recent videos. Like, I think I know what you're talking about. It, it looks like a fountain, but maybe it isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, when people started skating that, I was like, that's insane. Because you had to, like, enter the library and go through, like, the whole area to get to it. So, that was nuts. But, uh, yeah, like, back to school time, like, in New York was crazy. Like, because it was like, there's a bunch of kids, you know what I mean? New in town or whatever. It's the mm-hmm. best. It was the best weather for skating. Yeah, like I, I'd stay there in the summer and it was like, like just hot as fuck or whatever. But can't yeah. skate. It's like that that mugginess and also like the um, city slows slows you down a little bit. But September September to October, honestly, the best time for street skating in New York City Fashion Week. That's that's how I knew. That's how I knew that I was over skating the suburbs. First time I I think it was like first time I skated Midtown with a bunch of my buddies. We took the red and tan bus uh, to. Um, 41st Street Terminal, and then just, like, skated all over Manhattan. Like, absolutely exhausted. Like, I, I, I cringe thinking about how I was able to last all day off of, like, a couple slices of pizza and some candy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think I, I tweeted about this before. It's like, <laughs> like, you would just get, like, the, some noodles at the noodle spot or whatever. For, well, first of all, you get, like, a sandwich from the bodega or whatever. Like, take that yeah. way. You just get some noodles from the noodle spot town or whatever. And, like, you were good. Like, now I can't skate for, like, an hour with, like, getting hungry or whatever. <laughs> or without stretching, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, the first session, um, I think, where were we skating? Um, and so often it was, uh, it was a building that was, like, it was, like, featured heavily. It was a like, oh, big open, um, was it? No, it wasn't CBS. But anyway, it was a big open, um, like, tan marble plaza. And I remember, like, the building across the street we're watching, there, there was a, a fashion photo shoot going down. And I was, like, this is, I was, like, this is the life for me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was like, what's, what's me skating a, a schoolyard in the suburbs? Nah, man, I'm trying to be in a mix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know what's going to happen. New York, New York, like, it's crazy. Anything can happen, you know? <laughs> Actually, you honestly, like, what's wild is that um, I have seen wilder shit go down in suburbs across the country than I have in New York City. I don't know why that is. I feel like the suburbs, you know, there's like quiet corners like behind the grocery store or whatever where nobody's looking and you can like kind of get away with shit. I mean, that's why we're attracted to those same spaces because we can get away with skateboarding. It's like, you know, attracts other people trying to do weird shit. Yeah. What was interesting, like like uh, Jason talked about college. The hardest thing about skating in college is college. Being at a university, <laughs> there's so much else going on. And also I had pretty strict... Not unbearably strict, but pretty strict immigrant parents. So I was constantly trying to sneak out or trying to extend time and, and, and you know, had a wild early curfew. And so to be 
you know, right outside of Washington, D.C., and able to skate and hang out and do whatever I wanted. I mean, it was amazing. I remember actually when I lost, I lost uh, half of one of my front teeth at welfare banks in D.C. at something like 1130 at night <laughs> on a Saturday night with my friend Simon. It was, uh, he went to one of the, the nicer high schools over in Montgomery County. And he just took me around, like he took me to John Eden, where um, like Andy Stone filled a bunch of stuff, which is in um, upper Northwest DC, like right off of uh, Connecticut Avenue. If I remember correctly, it's like Big Bank. You've probably seen it. Have you ever seen oh, the yeah. park from Washington DC? It's like a, it's like a hip kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I no, never, no, I never skated anything like that. So I mean, I think that that that's a really tough thing. I think high school. High school is so regimented. And also, again, going back to being a high school student in the 1990s, where things were so clicky, right? And so, and people had a tendency to really uh, ostracize folks who were not like them. And there were like, there were a lot of fights at my high school. Yeah, you know, it wasn't out of control, but it was notable. And, and I'm not talking about like some scrapping. I, I saw a dude like get his eye rocked because he got punched in the eye. But the dude was rocking a, a ring. Damn. Like, the, and I'm talking about the whole school showed up for that fight. Everybody, the skaters were there, the homies were there, the metalheads were there, the jocks were there, all the preppy kids were there. Like, it was everybody was like, this was you know on some, uh, this was like fight night. Like, this was. This you is know, like culmination of some movie shit. <laughs> yeah, this was like on some H no, like not even like not even like a movie. This was like HBO Showtime Saturday Night Boxing. It yeah. was that real, and it was like, and these cats were throwing real punches. Damn, nothing like that went down at my high school. I went to Catholic high school, so it was like yeah. very um, lame. Well, I feel like there's two there's two strains of Catholic high schools because my sister went to one. Because yeah, we we moved like in the middle of all our our schoolings, and we all went to Catholic school. And then once we got to Minnesota, my sister wanted to go to Catholic school, but like the rest of us were like, no, nah, we're cool with public school. But there's like the the split of like the schools that take all the kids that like dead ended at other schools, let's say, and or then like you know just private school. Am, am, I, am I reading wrong, or does that does that no. bear out? I think that's no. fair. I would say my my Catholic school is mostly just private school. There were a couple of kids who were like kind of I don't know maybe they were like kind of bad, but I, I think like to like a public high school they would just be like nothing <laughs> nothing really to like write home about you know uh, it's pretty tame were there a lot of skaters at your at your spot or what no there were no skaters at my school it was like all like just like preppy folks mostly um what kind of preppy are we talking abercrombie or are we talking like the real deal holyfield lacoste polo ralph lauren oh it was very abercrombie <laughs> yeah like there, there wasn't like um, mid-level yeah, it was, it was low to mid-level preppy. Okay. Um, and I, I think that, like, like for me, I was just, like, I have my friends from, like, the real world that I hang out with, like, skaters and punks and stuff like that. So, like, I just didn't give a fuck about high school or, like, any of the people there. And I think that yeah. most people, like, respected that. They're like, oh, yeah, that's Templeton. He, like, he just doesn't even fuck with, like, the high school thing. So, like, we don't, like, fuck with him. We respect him, whatever. I, <laughs> yeah, like, my... uh. Oh, no, real quick. Like, my high school was pretty normal. Like, uh, well, ninth and 10th grade, I pretty much just, like, watched Batman animated series and shit, you know. Pretty <laughs> normal. Yeah, pretty chill. But um, as soon as I started smoking weed, that, like, opened up a lot of doors socially. Because, <laughs> like, 
Because, like, everyone likes to smoke weed. Like, the football players, the stoners, the skaters. You know what I mean? So, like, that opened doors to, like, you know, different, you know, parties and whatnot. Yeah, I was just going to say. So be that as it may. We had our skate crew, skate click. I don't know. We weren't much of a click. But there was, like, I don't know, between, like, we came out of junior high and we kind of merged with the kids a year ahead of us. So there was, like, four in seventh, four of us in seventh grade when I started actually skating. There was, like, four dudes in eighth grade. And then, you know, if that was eight at one point, by the time I was in ninth grade, there was only, like, six of us left. But then we picked up, like, yeah, we kind of had this rolling thing of, like, there's maybe, like, seven or eight people that's, like, really this core group of people in the school system that skated. And, yeah, once we got into high school and it was, like, I don't know, we just went to the skate park or skated the city or, like, we'd met kids from mostly just in like Minneapolis proper and so we went and like kicked it with them most of the time by the time we were like sophomore junior seniors where it was like yeah we had this like orbit outside of it and I think Templeton it's like that kind of thing of like these dudes are just kind of doing their own shit and all right like we could go to whatever party we wanted I guess was was the main upshot of that nobody you know it was like oh yeah these dudes are cool okay whatever see like yeah they're about like five or six skaters at my school like most of them were like a couple years older than me so like you know like you said just the era of vibing or whatever so they would like cool guy a lot and stuff but you know that's that was the as was the style at the but uh that was everybody the coolest yeah yeah, yeah. the coolest skater was this dude mike nicholson i think he's still around or whatever and he, a he'd been to woodward Ooh. B, he'd supposed been sponsored by or been getting boards from me skateboards, which I don't know if that was even a company. I think they had like one ad in Big Brother one time. And the coolest, <laughs> the main aspect to his coolness was he had his own apartment and, and delivered a job and so went to high school, which is like, you know, you know, the fucking coolest thing ever, pretty much. Oh, he was uh, he was on God level at that age. You know, my. Yeah, I mean, like, it was very much. Going? No, yeah, it was almost you know it was like inconceivable to like oh dude he's got his own apartment got like a Civic making money got like like a hot girlfriend or whatever yeah this guy was like the shit dude he was oh one of the God. coolest <laughs> 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 like, at age fifteen sixteen in nineteen ninety six that man was God yeah yeah and like he he's the dude that told me that yeah like uh Danny Way was doing nine hundreds of Woodward blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow, this dude, this, the fact that this dude is a local, is still, it, 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 you still remember him? Like, this is like next level local legend status. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely, a, definitely a Richmond legend for sure. That's so, so hype. That's, that's so hype that you remember. My experience was different. Um, we had a, a pretty sizable crew of skaters. Um, there was definitely static against being a skate rat back then. But there were enough of us, especially because like, I started in junior high and I started skating with the same group of folks that I ended up learning how to play guitar with. Like We all got skateboards. We all got guitars. Remember, I quit playing the saxophone in sixth grade, seventh mm. grade, begged my parents for an electric guitar. Haven't put one down. Still got the first one that they ever bought me. Red Squire Stratocaster. Fixed it up a few mm-hmm. years ago. Still plays amazing. Um, but you still it was a big play the saxophone? Oh, hell no. And I saxophone. I regret, I regret quitting. I actually regret quitting. Uh, same thing with piano lessons because I could have been like on some like wild Coltrane type business. Oh, you know? dude, I'm such a I'm such an aspirant jazz head. I uh, yeah, I play I played played the trumpet for one week 
in seventh grade band and then fronted like I had asthma and couldn't play until I got the balls to quit. Um, <laughs> now I'm bummed. Yeah. But or, I had asthma for seven weeks. It fucking sucked. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. And then like, or, the, or you, could have, you could have, no, real quick, you could have done that move where like you're playing in a band, but while playing your guitar, then you take the sax and like do a sax solo. And, like everyone goes, <laughs> like everyone goes ape shit. Oh, oh, like on like Spandau Ballet, True, which is still yeah, one of the yeah, best songs yeah. of all time. That's sax solo. Yeah. Bomb. But yeah, but so our high school, um, a couple different middle school, actually, a couple, there was three wings in our junior high school, which is where I started to skate, Felix Festa Middle School, which is right down the street from a little pizzeria called Napoli's, Napoli's Pizza, where they did some of the exterior shots for an episode of Sopranos. For those of you uh, who are big Soprano fans, season three, episode one, Mr. Ruggiero's Neighborhood, right? <laughs> Great pizza there, by the way. And... You know, there was a, our high school, excuse me, our junior high had three wings. One wing fed to a, the other high school, which is called Clarkstown South. And South had like all the metalheads. That's where all the metalhead kids lived. That's where all the metal kid kids went to high school. And so that crew over there, like some of them, like, like, they like rap, like they like rap music enough. But that's how I started getting into, you know, getting exposed to some Slayer and Anthrax. And then a lot of those guys were really into Candiria, like going down to Brooklyn to see Candiria at Lemoore's. And then um, my high school, Clarkstown North, was much more like the fresh school. So, and we we had a couple of more wings that fed into our high school. And then a couple of my buddies went to a, a Catholic school called Albertus Magnus, which is across the street from Naples, up the street from the junior high. So there was always like a decent. There was a like we we, we rolled deep. And shout out to my boy Ryan Hand, who I, I, I've I, I've shouted him out a couple of times, but he was his birthday is early. In the year, so he was the first to get his license. He's a car nut. He's now he's very into motorcycles and and photographs motorcycles and is deep in that world. But back in the day, like this was the dude with the car, and for some yeah. years he had a Chevy Suburban. And we're all tiny; none of us Whoa. weigh more than 120 pounds. So my man would be driving around Saturday night with like 15 deep, listening to like Wu Tang Forever, <laughs> listening to Gangstar, and just like looking at something to get into. And so it never felt lonely or alienated, but you know, it, it's it was kind of wild, like in retrospect, like how many of us there were, and like and the fact that he was cool enough to just be like, "Yo, y'all rolling with me," you like, because <laughs> then actually he he uh, he lived in L.A. for a couple of years, got super good when he lived out here, moved back to the city, got an apartment on Grand Street, right, and he was the one who took me to Max Fish for the first time. And he mm. had a, yeah, that apartment was legendary. Oh, that, that shit. Some, he, yo, like <laughs> legendary, like. Everybody, every crew has that one homie. And I didn't start skating with him until high school. I didn't meet him until high school. But he was that he was that cat. He was like, he was most importantly one of those people who was always down to skate. And this is a guy who had, had a bunch of injuries too. A lot of knee injuries, ankle injuries, etc. But every crew had that person. Did you all have a person in your crew like who didn't kind of fall by the wayside, didn't just like end up like blazing their way through high school? And they were like, hey, hit this person up, they will go skate. Because it was for me, it was it was Ryan Hant, Adam Stein, who was a bit younger, also into cars. I think it's the car dudes. Yeah, like uh, in New York, main person I went skating with was this kid Justin. He was from he was like a vegan, straight edge, hardcore kid from Long Island, but he skated too. So he was the only person I knew that lived in you know what I mean Manhattan or whatever. And we were both kind of like on the outside of the cool guy, you know the the real New York cool guys or whatever. So 
Yeah, every Thursday night, because, you know, in college, no one has class on Friday, so. Hell no. No, no, so, like, every Thursday night, you know, you, and pin up, like, you, you skating today, you know what I mean? He was, like, the first, like, you skating today call, or page of the day. Page. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, my buddy like that, it's funny, it's crazy. Um, so I moved up to Minnesota in fourth grade. My buddy Neil was in that fourth grade class, but we didn't really, like, become friends until... We were in Boy Scouts together, but then before one meeting, he, um, true to form, was just, like, hauling ass, like, just wasn't Mongo, but I still want to say, like, shit pushing, just because, like, so out of control and, like, no control and just, like, hauling ass at these Lutheran church curbs in this parking lot, just getting on them, board sliding forever on some slick, no chance of riding away, and, like, that was my introduction to him to be, like, oh, you skate like i used to push around i was super bummed out like skating with my sister's friends <laughs> you seem better than that and like that was the that was the seed of our little skate crew and like that's the dude i went to mexico city with this spring and he's still oh yeah no shit he's, uh, like he's forever ago oh my god yeah that 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 might as well have been um fourth grade <laughs> the way this year has played out but yeah, he's always been, like, one of those dudes just like, no bullshit, let's go skate. And I'm sure um, Ken from Uprise, if you're listening, like, go shout out Neil. Uh, I, know, I know Ken is a, is a listener, or at least a sometime listener. But, yeah, those ties that, that go very deep that are because of school. Like, it's a lot of, the, the oldest ties I have are because of school, and they're literally, like, junior high for the most part, aside from elementary for one. And then like we, we found people out in the city and like, I didn't, I didn't leave the Minnesota, like the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul to go to college. And that was partially because I was already just like in this skate scene and no shit. I went to the U of M for two semesters and actually got on academic probation and took a little, took a little break because of that. But it was like, yeah, it was just skating. And wasn't thinking about figuring out college because I was just skating. Yeah, you had Tampa and all through it. What's that? You had Tampa and to go to. That that was a little bit later. It, it was weird, man. We were just like making videos and wasn't even partying that much. It was just skating and anxiety about going to classes and stuff. Yeah. It's you, man. You raise such an interesting point too, especially now. Uh, those of us because we're all either we're all thirty-five plus here. And what's really interesting is seeing how rushed a lot of us felt to kind of grow up and join the rat race and how much social pressure and academic pressure that there was. Because for me, I took, um, I did my undergrad, moved to France for a year, came back, did my master's degree for two years, then the economy completely bottomed out. And at the same time as I was finishing my MA, I started playing, really playing music and DJing and hanging out. And I kind of got to have some of that fun that I didn't get to have. I, I, I got to enjoy myself in college, but there's something, it hits differently when you have some a little bit of disposable income. And even then, no, no. Like, and, I, and I was eking out a living the entire time I was in Washington, D.C. And I wasn't skating that much at all. I had a board. I remember I beat this one dude in a game of skate at a house party in the D.C. neighborhood of Mount Pleasant. I mean, I was wearing boat shoes, and I felt like such a boss. Because, like, I didn't just win, I rocked this dude. 
And in retrospect, that was probably one of the dumbest things I had ever done because I was like, the combination of it was dark, I had been drinking, and I was skateboarding in shoes that are not skate shoes. Yeah, the spare could be uh, a lot of ankle injury yeah. potential. <laughs> but no, like, still had it. I don't know. I felt like... Uh, so something something was something was on that night yeah that was uh yeah that was like late summer 2008 which was a so, really 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 fun summer but you, you know um but you know you think about like just the thing about being a teenager and being a skater and, and thinking about people who are a little older than you the cats who have a car especially the honda civic which was like the must-have whip and oh we, yeah uh, uh, so all of our favorite skaters they all had honda civics so you see these guys buttery ride Honda Civic, gold chain, and they felt a million miles away from you, living with your parents. And it just, you felt, you thought that they had so much freedom. And now, being 38, looking back at those dudes, I'm just like, damn, that shit's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Even, like, if, if you're 16 or whatever, someone who's like 20 and has a job and their car and lives in like a skate house or whatever for like, well, back then, Especially in Richmond, rent was like a hundred dollars a month or whatever, two hundred. They could afford. They, they could afford to live <laughs> in like, the place. It's not so much. Actually, I take that back. It's not that they were sorry. It's just that in retrospect, that wasn't as cool because we all ended up doing the same thing. We all ended up getting to that point. Yeah, you know, because I'm sure, uh, I'm sure y'all definitely had those guys in high school who had like the IROC Z Camaro. You know. Hanging around high school, we, we, we now understand that some of these folks were actually grooming, uh, were actually grooming women, you know, and which is its own kind of messed up. But those guys were super intimidating because they had a car and they were pumping gas somewhere and listening to what those cats listen to. They listened to like a lot of Slayer or they listened to um, DITC. It, it's funny, you know. <laughs> hindsight, no hindsight. Hindsight really changes your view of certain things. Like those, like you would never, you would never want to hang out with those cats now. What are they? What are they doing in their lives that is actually hype? <laughs> Damn, dude, I I just didn't expect the digging in the crates thing because like I, I nah, like it would be they'd be listening to something unexpectedly good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like but, what you, so what like you doing Rob, at a nice group hanging out at a high school, dog? Rob Gonzalez and Danny Montoya's DITC song that they skated to in like best of four one one four recently popped back up into the play rotation. So I, I was just taken off guard by that. Patrick, was that on uh, Long Island? No, no, this is Rockland and Westchester, Rockland. which may as well be the same thing because yeah, all, yeah. all the New York suburbs, it's it's the exact same people. Yeah, it's just yeah. Ex- that's north of the yeah, city, or? Would, yeah, just I'm, north of the city. Actually, okay. Drake Jones grew up in. Um, he spent some time in White Plains, which is actually one of the first. Uh, smaller cities that we started seeing, like White Plains. We used to go to SUNY Purchase a lot, which is uh, had a nice bank. There was a nice bank to ledge there. There was a big plaza there. The parties were very, very fun. Um, can't remember what band it was. Oh yeah, Dan Deacon and a bunch of a bunch of those Baltimore cats all met at SUNY Purchase, and then after graduation they moved to Baltimore and were making music. So Dan Deacon's whole thing started up at SUNY Purchase. So I think that's one of their fame to claims to fame they had a yearly festival annual festival every spring it was called culture shock which some people called vulture cock for some reason because <laughs> you do yeah, but no not? that was like, that was a jam that was because you remember that you know when you're in your late teens early 20s you know really good, good times can sometimes be you know few and far between so you just go to anything and you turn it you you, you turn it into a turn up 
Well, and then it, sure, it, yeah. it becomes indelible. Like it's when it's that good, when so much more or so much everything else is so boring, it's like sticks with you. Yeah. Templeton. Templeton. Yes. <laughs> Give us something, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Templeton. Actually, I, I got a question for you. What was? What was? Because we talked about we we okay. We we've talked about our skate experience, but now we got to talk about the things that people really care about. Number one, what was y'all rocking? Number two, oh. what were the videos? And number three, most importantly, number three, what were the pants? Yeah, for me, like definitely rocking some like size 38 on my size, like at the time, probably 30 waist. There was like the store. Fuck, I, I wish I could remember the name of it because it was some kind of ridiculous name. But it had like basically generic jeans in like ridiculous colors. And that was like the spot, you know, like we'd get like some green or red or whatever jeans in like a, many sizes too big that was like the pants since i went to a catholic high school we had a dress code where we had to wear a, like a shirt with a collar so i was heavy into work shirts like you know from like the like auto parts store or whatever yep. so like oh you know, yeah like, those are cool and and one of one of my proudest moments of high school is like the following year the dress code was updated to disallow work shirts. So I, <laughs> that I'm was like, you. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm, you I'm know really what? proud. <laughs> you know what, Templeton, you were really fashion forward because I think there's a work shirt in the new uh, Supreme line. Could be wrong. Damn. But I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, they do them all the time. But yeah, I think there's one in the uh, new Supreme fall winter. So you're definitely ahead of the curve. I feel like work shirts were oh, like back. a little bit in at the time. Are we still there? Yeah, what uh, what were you rocking, Patrick? Okay, um, junior high school, junior high school, just kind of wearing whatever junior high clothes. It's really difficult to be fashionable at that age, uh, and if you were, you're lying. Um, right, it's like it, whatever mom picked up at <laughs> exactly. JCPenney you didn't know what it was to get fresh. Um, maybe trying to wear flannel shirts because we were all learning how to play guitar and in the early '90s, and listening to a lot of Nirvana and Rage Against the Machine, like. Tom Morello was one of my first guitar heroes. I was so hyped when I found out he was Kenyan. Um, no was, shit. Yeah, yeah. His father, huh. his father was actually. Yeah, yeah. His father was actually a pretty high-ranking member of the first independent government of Kenya under Jomo Kenyatta. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time. I can still play a lot of those songs. No, even Smashing Pumpkins. I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to sit here and lie to you and say that I was listening to amazing music when I was 12. When I was 16, yes. <laughs> and I think that's when things change because <laughs> I think like 16, 17, you kind of start to develop your own sense of identity. Like we were all wearing baggy pants. Like there was a couple of years we all tried the raver pants and those were just terrible. Any place with weather, those are just awful because they get yeah. soaked and nobody was wearing big shoes. Like my first pair of skate shoes was a Vans Fairlane. By the time I graduated high school, 2000 adidas superstars because first of all you can get them two for one at models and places like that and they were practically indestructible and i loved rhythms genesis those shoes looked amazing with everything black shell toes the white stripes um in terms of music i'm trying to think like uh what was the what was the game changer i mean like wu-tang forever was huge like wu-tang when wu-tang forever dropped it was summer 97 the double cassette or the double cd oh my god that was that was big time that was a that was really really big. A lot of Gangstar, a uh, little bit of Metallica, a little bit of Slayer through the Metalheads and the Crew, Candiria a little bit later. Um, dabbled with them. Loved Gangstar because 
my friend Ryan, again, Ryan Hant, there was a period where he had like two CDs in his car. Souls of Mischief. No, three. Souls of Mischief, <laughs> Night of the Retail Infinity, uh, Third Eye Vision by Hyro, and <laughs> Gangstar, Moment of Truth. Not bad. Yeah. Do you need any more CDs? I mean, that's like, can get you anywhere you're going, really. True, true, true. My friend Shane, it was my friend Shane who was, had, who still has an incredible, incredible taste in music. And except now, like, we're at this point where we send a lot of uh, David Sylvian and a lot of really weird avant-garde, free jazz. That's the kind of stuff we're trading now. He, his, his house was very musical and his parents were very cool. So they let us hang out there. That's where I saw the movie Kids. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be one of these people who tried to who's gonna pretend to you like I was cool in you know, in, you know, when I was 13, 14. Nobody, nobody was. <laughs> True. Nobody yeah. When was. I was uh, when I was thirteen or fourteen, I was in like a I guess like a Tim Gavin phase where I wear or like a hang ten shirt, like some blind jorts and some chuckas. So that was the look that I hadn't even seen Pack of I wouldn't see Pack of Lies for like five years or whatever, but unbeknownst to me that was like fucking Tim Hamilton but uh yeah I'm a little bit older than y'all like I'm I think I'm from the era where we leave the house in one pair of pants change into like the super baggy blind jeans or whatever in the car <laughs> and then go skate because my parents would be like you're not leaving the house in those fucking pants you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> oh like I remember I had, that <laughs> yeah like like I had some 40s shorts that were like the softest brown like over dyed denim or whatever but they were like gigantic so i would try to be like james kelch and like pull my socks up so it looked like uh pantaloons or whatever you know what i mean like <laughs> in the 1700s but uh yeah never put i also wore a lot of rick howard shirts because my dad had a bunch of like nerdy you know what i mean like 70s short sleeve button downs. oh yeah so, oh man kind of, you, you gotta pull some footage from this era <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, I, there's a photo on my Instagram of it. You scroll down. Yeah, but like with shoes, like mostly like shell toes and campuses. Like I remember after virtual reality came out, I had to get a pair of like white Puma Clydes with a black stripe. So I think Where I got did that. You even find those pre-internet. You'd have to oh. really know the inventory of every shoe store near you. They were. I think I just got them at the Foot Locker at the oh. mall. Dang. So. Yeah, that was the the fashion report from 1994 and 93, I guess. And also, just like like uh, you said, like Wu Tang Forever, he was like 36 Chambers when that came out. And like for some reason, the first Redman tape, what God. the album? <laughs> just to run that religiously. God, I was just I was just at a mini ramp session, yeah. hell like yeah, a couple <laughs> weeks ago where we were listening to uh, the Blackout album, Redman, Method Man. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, that Except. that brought back a lot of weird memories. But before that, just to do my rundown, started skating '95. Thought everything was still really baggy, so I had. Um, we went to the Lava Lounge, which was like a weird shop that had skateboards, and I bought some kickwear pants. That's K I K dash W E A R. Oh, I, rem- I remember that shit. God, I so I don't even know how, man. I just came up with that, like, <laughs> you know, the last time you you might have heard me typing that that was kickwear pants, um, green. You had those? I had those. I mean, yeah, my my parent, my mom. I should say, my mom was like, okay, 
I, I think I was a little bit of a wayward tween. And so when I got into skating, my mom was like, all right, he's into this. I'm going to support it. God damn it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, kickwear, like, 28-inch waist with, like, God, I don't even know how big the, the, the bottom of those pants were. And that shit lasted, like, six months. But at the same time, like, my brother's a gigantic dude. So I'd have easy access to, like, 38-inch waist dockers and just cut off, like, <laughs> literally cut off, like, 16 inches of the pant leg, put them on, oh, yeah. cinch that waist, and go skate. But then, you know, oh. like, like, we got into... we Once we started skating with the dudes from Minneapolis who, frankly, were, like, a little bit more plugged into skating than us just because, like, they knew the older cats. And it's funny. I've always been... I've always wondered about this. So, like, I'm 38. Patrick, you're 38. I started skating in 95. And that that was kind of, like, the the nadir of skating in terms of, like, I think now, like, it was was a low point for popularity, but it was also a generational gap where there's a lot of dudes that are, well... Based on what you've said in your experience, you had you had a crew, but around here it was like there were a lot of dudes older than us, and then there were a lot of dudes younger than us. But like I swear, in the entire like Minneapolis western region of the Twin Cities, there was seven guys in our age range that skated from like ninety five to ninety eight. And so, That's we so met interesting. With, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. And, when we met up with the kids from the city, we got like more clued into skating. We started wearing chilling shoes, and we even learned that like if you're going between spots, like when you get in the car, wear your chilling shoes in the car, get out, put your skate shoes back on, that type of thing. So it was like a, a lot of Adidas, and yeah, yeah, like we were quickly off of a lot of skate shit. And then there was there was a local clothing brand called Supernatural. Ricky Iola rode for them at at one point and so like we had this like crazy crazy design clothes and that it, it was like baggy then non-skate then local skate shit for the gear and yeah i got a free tribe called quest it was rhymes beats rhymes in life from cal surf one of the shops here and i repped that and that kind of got me on the way but <laughs> but when i was 13 i listened to like uh g love and the special sauce and shit because that's what my sister listened to Pass me another one of those cold Damn. beverages. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to the MTV buzz bit. You know what's interesting was looking back at it, especially having immigrant parents and how OD strict that they were with everything, but especially skipping. What? You're going to do what? You're going skateboarding with who? Where? <laughs> to do what to do what things oh man it used to drive my mother up the walls because they felt like this was time that was not spent studying this wasn't time spent working or doing whatever it, it, it to them it, it felt like idle time they 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 perceived it as being idle time and oh. what's really interesting is that of everything that i did in high school because mind you my um i have three younger brothers one of whom was an exceptional student in high school and end up going to MIT. He's super bright. He's doing his master's in engineering out in Germany. I have another brother who was also very good at school. Uh, the other two brothers were also very good at school, but my brother Derek, who lives out here, he also ran track. I did no sports, no yearbook, no school activities, did the bare minimum, and was still like an A and B student, mostly Bs with some A's. Shout out to Rudy Johnson on Skate TV. And, like, that was me, like, not trying. I didn't start trying in school until 
until college and grad school, you know, <laughs> and then then it was cool. But I think I think it it, it flustered them because and, and shout out to everybody who's listening who has immigrant parents uh, who don't understand skateboarding or had never seen skateboarding because sometimes you know in retrospect I feel bad. I, I feel like I should have been doing more, but. At the same time, though, skateboarding has con- continues to bring me so much joy and is probably one of the better things I can remember from being a teenager that I bought with me into adulthood. Like, think about, think about how many people in high school you went to who, who peaked back then. Like, right. so this year's my, this year's my would, would have been my 20th and, uh, 20 year reunion. <laughs> oh, man, we don't, even get a, we don't even get to go to the 20th reunion. Shit. What? It's I was finally going to go to one. <laughs> I wasn't going to go. And No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm never one. <laughs> maybe I'll rock the thirty joy just to say I did. But Facebook really destroyed the the need to to hit at the reunion because yeah. my tenure I didn't go. I went to London. I went. Uh, I had a cheap ticket. And I went. And I hung out <laughs> with my friends over there because so I was like, well, I'm going to see people I haven't seen in ten like legit had not seen or been in touch with for ten years because you know at the time not everybody was on Facebook. Now look, you know, it's like you know exactly what these people are doing. What you need to see. Yeah, for real. See, I'm not on Facebook, so like maybe I'll wait for the 40 year come out of the smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, yo, good. (laughs) Speaking of classmates are listening to the podcast to catch up on your life, Mike. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I've never, I've never been to a reunion. I like miss my high school 20th. I guess I miss my high school 25th. I miss my college 20th. So. Yeah, I'll probably never go to one, dude. Because if I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to, like, do New York. So I'm not going to be like, here's, like, brunch or whatever, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, fucking, like, under a tent or something. You know what I mean? Like, if I go hey, to New York. Like yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to, like, fucking go to Max Fish or go skate the Chompy Tree Ledges or go skate somewhere. <laughs> you know, catch me on the late night tip. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to, like. Go back you know on I mean? after hours. <laughs> So, so I'm wondering, out of like our, I think we all had high school skate crews, or at least people we skated with in high school. How many, how many of those people still skate? Zero. Yeah, I think I think zero I might be the, the last one of uh, of my crew, which was very small. How many? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I was the only one who was really like into skating. I I felt a lot like. When I was asking people to go skate, they were like doing me a favor by skating. Like they'd rather be playing drums or whatever. But maybe maybe that's just on me. That that feeling is just on me. Um, I'd say like I'd say there's about f- six people I know that I grew up skating with who still have boards. We're still skating. Um, there's a couple. Let's see. There's a couple who every now and again they'll post something on Instagram and I'm like just kind of carving around someplace. There's a couple who picked it back up, which has been really. That's right. Really awesome. Really, really awesome. But I think Instagram honestly has really allowed a lot of people to reconnect with skating. And so there's a lot of folks who just will trade memes or trade uh, Instagram clips, which honestly, like speaking about videos, like we all grew up in the 1990s, which was the video era. Like we got to see probably uh, we got to see an era that will honestly never come back in which skate videos were cultural moments. Like for y'all, like, what were the videos that you were trading with some of these friends who may or may not be skating anymore? And what were the videos that got away? Like, what's, what's joints that you, you, you haven't seen since? Like, like, Mike, we'll start with you. Videos that you, you and your friends, like, traded uh, dubbed copies or whatever over and over again. And what's the ones that you, 
you know, you're like, damn, I didn't see this until I was 25. Man, um, I think if there was one that we didn't necessarily trade, but my buddy Willie had it and we watched it. Like, basically, my memory of 411 Best of Volume 1 is watching it continuously in Willie's basement. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that that shaped a lot of taste. Like, Costin skated to No Shame in My Game, that Gangstar track from, what is it, their second album? And yeah, with that terrible skit at the beginning. <clears throat> oh, the with, detective? Jeru? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, with like, no, they, they, there's this long skit. It's like, it, it's oh. the theme of the Pink Panther. And like, we're looking for costume there. And it's, oh it's my like, God. Like, they're yeah, running Russell casting, Russell casting. It's so bad. It's so awful. But, oh, it's and, fantastic. And then, like, early girl, like, <laughs> like, when they had no budget and it was in with a puppy. Oh my God. Yeah. So that, that part, I mean, yeah, that's indelible. It's that video, and it's it's a lot of random 411s and, like, Europe 1995. That was huge. Like, I don't know. They got... What's six, that? 95 was amazing. 96 the one when they had the uh, the boycott with Mike Vallely said, none of the Americans are skating. The Americans or the Brazilians will skate because the tightest ramps were terrible, and there was some sort of dispute with the security, and then everybody just ended up doing demos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we Jason, were just... We memorized all those videos. It's it's insane how, you know, the, the repeated watchings when literally that might have been like the most engaged thing you did that day outside of school. Totally. Desperate for skate content. There was, I mean, maybe there was that one episode of MTV Sports. Dan Cortez hosted a the chicken's pool, but there was <laughs> nothing. Like, yeah. you, you were just, ha- you were, I had tapes of old episodes of Skate TV that was on Nickelodeon just because it had, the LA boys in it. There was that one episode like, come on, guy, let's go skate. It's amazing. And that was just regular, you know, that was just a regular Nickelodeon uh, TV show with, what's this dude from uh, from Scream? Matt, really? Matt Lillard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was one of the co-hosts. So, <laughs> whoa. <Shout out> him. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, what were the videos? What were the most traded, the most watched, the ones that are just burned in the back of your skull from repeated viewings? Oh, damn. Well, you know, I'm like a World Industries kid, so it was basically like questionable, virtual, uh, new world order, a little bit later, uh, secondhand smoke, and then goldfish. Goldfish, I just randomly saw because some kid at the elementary school we skated like had it. It was like, you want to copy goldfish? I was like, okay. And like Paco, like Goldfish and Paco were the ones, the ones that got me psyched on just skating schoolyards. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah that was pretty much it. I didn't, I didn't see like Video Days, Pack of Lies till like '98. I, I didn't see like, I didn't see like Element Fine Artists until like way later because like you know how it was like. There's one shop in town they get like one copy of the video and like if one kid buys it before you get there, that's it. Like you know. <laughs> You don't get to see it, so you know what I mean. I, I yeah, should jump in. Got to jump in and say I saw virtual no, reality for the first time at my buddy Sean's house, and we like a bunch of us skaters masked up there, and probably late 1995, so not that long after virtual reality came out, but we were all going to a the specials show <laughs> at <laughs> at First Avenue. And I'm pretty sure Skank and Pickle was the opening act, and God damn it, we skanked our asses off that night. 
Very sick. Yeah, the specials were sick, man, because they were in 411, and, like, I'd been watching... They were in a lot of that best of 411, volume one, mm-hmm. and, and elsewhere. Yeah, and so, like, shit, opportunity to go see it. It might have been 96 by then, because... That was one of the homies who were a year older than us in junior high. You know, they were like, they were better <laughs> and obviously cooler at the time. And did, yeah, it's, did it's it blow crazy. your mind? <laughs> did what blow my mind? I mean, virtual reality was amazing. Virtual reality. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I still feel like the the Mike Carroll part in there, which is arguably, I don't know, one of his top two parts. I'm not, I'm not a questionable adherent because I didn't actually see it and know I was watching it until way later um yeah i mean virtual reality is a great video and i mean it was already a couple years old but it obviously held up and it looked like something that i knew when i was everything else was based off of watching like 41110 and everything after that secondhand smoke etc yeah that that was that was cool no because like ska was almost kind of cool back then like it was before no doubt came out yeah, I'm pretty I think... sure. So it was still kind of it was before like fucking um real big fish or whatever. I mean, oh let's god, be clear. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was seeing you know, like all all that horse. So ska was still kind of like uh like a old underground type of thing in, back then. So I mean the the specials. I mean that's a classic fundamental group of the late 1970s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like ska in was kind of like I feel like ska was like punk adjacent. For a long time until like yeah, real big fish and uh, <laughs> no doubt and shit like that. Oh, that was all because summer '96. It was supposed to be. It was all supposed to be quote unquote MTV's the year of electronica, right? And you know they had the show Amp and they were putting a because the Prodigy were hitting really really big and my cousins in Uganda and in the UK were really into the Prodigy. We went and hung out with them that summer. Um, got me and my brother into them. But then we came back, and it was all about uh, it was all about ska, and I think it was because <laughs> it was because no doubt hit. It was yeah, it was yeah, it was because no doubt hit really, really, really big, sublime as well. Um, and I, I don't know what it was. I think it, it, it was there was something about it. It, it, and it hit it hit ska hit third wave ska hit the suburbs a lot harder than it did the cities. Because every suburb in America there was a million ska bands, right? Whereas in New York City there are still Bands that were kind of like between second and third wave, um, like the Slackers, who are amazing, who had been doing it since the late '80s, early '90s, like the whole Moon Scott record scene. Um, I, I would give, I would, I would give a shout out to to Rancid, to Op Ivy. Oh, but, yeah. oh Op Ivy, so yeah. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> when it when it went mainstream, it was there was a huge amount of marketing that came behind it too, and it it. It was odd. There was something about it that felt very, 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 very strange. It seemed sudden, especially because with skating, you were exposed to so much more interesting music than, say, regular, most regular teenagers. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bless, bless the music supervisors for skate videos for exposing us to all uh, the good shit. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't even trying. Like they were just like, "Hey, this is cool." It's, it was. Aaron Mays is the one who really put a. And uh, Jamie Thomas were the ones who. Took music supervision to the next level. Well, it's yeah. like them. Rocco and... definitely didn't. <laughs> Rocco, like, I'm, I might have mentioned this before, but I think, like, you know, in like Love Child, it was all those like 1950 songs or whatever. Like, I think I don't know where I read this or heard this, but like, it was just some CD he picked up like at a truck stop in the middle <laughs> of nowhere that was 
that was called like, like malt shop. Malt, yeah, yeah, malt shop. And the CD was called like malt shop oldies or whatever. Just like totally. And I, I, I guess that that's like him being maybe super edgy Gen X because that was the, the thing to do <laughs> then too. Because look at the stark contrast between Love Child and New World Order. New World. Oh yeah. World Order with like a serious hip hop soundtrack and how doper that was actually you also reminded me too of like how impossible it was to find anything 101 or menace those boards like i never saw them in shops and you know they were always sold out in mail order you couldn't get them ever i had a fabian olimar menace bought at cal surf tiny thing like one of those 7.4 like it says 7.5 but it's actually littler than that that was a good board 7.43 yeah, well, man i'd be something. stoked to uh get a menace board now Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at the clock. Ooh, <laughs> comeback! <laughs> Ooh, a menace comeback. I would definitely be stoked on that. I heard that's happening. Ask Ooh. Ask Luz, Lucas about that. Oh yeah, actually, he's I got, might. He's not got be some rules that. about that. <laughs> yeah, Lucas is like Lucas Wiesenthal, the number one menace skateboards authority in the entire world. We gotta get Lucas on here, Lucas. <laughs> So, Jason, what are you stoked on this week? All right. Well, as always, stoked on uh, the Venture Trucks out of San Francisco, California. Also stoked on a new part. It's just like a minute and a half long, but it's a new part from uh, Tom Snape, one of the uh, best, like, ledge plaza gentlemen in the whole world. It's for Wayward Wheels, which I think is like Andrew Brophy's wheel company which has nothing to do with Palace or whatever. There was, like, a whole thing. But anyway, yeah, that dude's uh, one of the best dudes out. And also, uh, it's NBA playoffs time. Super psyched on the Utah Jazz-Denver yeah. Nuggets game seven a couple nights ago. It was just a sick, like, back-and-forth, like, uh, uh, battle. Like, one of those NBA Classics games. It should be on NBA Classics in the near future. It was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. So, yeah, definitely stoked on that and nba playoffs in general uh, patrick what are you stoked on this week stoked on a couple of things first of all spitfire wheels more specifically pedro delfino's new part skates to susie and the banshees always mm-hmm. a plus the new naquan rawlings edit it's called re-rock christian henry's in it uh there was a little little joint that they did christian henry naquan and the folks from jenkin that was really really dope just skating around midtown Fugazi's in on the Kill Taker. I'm on a nostalgia trip. I don't know why. A friend of mine said that, oh, in on the Kill Taker is very similar to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Just think about it. I don't get it, but we'll see. I'll do a back-to-back this weekend and report back. Um, And then I'm also really stoked on a long-form interview from this magazine called Tone Glow. It's an interview with Jim O'Rourke, who has worked with Stereolab and Wilco and Sonic Youth. He was in Sonic Youth for a hot one. I had no idea that this dude's career in outsider and avant-garde art and music was as deep as it is. It's kind of amazing. He lives like way out there near Mount Fuji in Japan now. I don't think he's ever coming back to the States. Mm. Mike, what you stoked on? <laughs> well, normally uh, when we're not doing our back to school episode, this might have been a topic, a whole topic. I'm stoked on the new Girl Skateboards promo, and it just seems so bizarre to say that in this section just because it's normally footnotes even though it could be a topic um nervous circus was super rad i think i'm glad to see girl on a on an upswing this might be a topic next week but uh while we're here uh niels bennett niles bennett niels bennett is really damn good i like his 
big clothes, skinny dude, Adidas superstars. I think he only wears those. Um, Griffin Gas. Everybody in that video is pretty rad. Could yeah. use those. That Mike dude's Carroll, a beast. Howard. That, uh, that kid Gr- Griffin Gas. That kid's a beast. Yeah. No Mike and Rick though. It's cool that like they're new pros because it's Griffin and Niels who are you know the focus of the video. Those dudes are like some archetypical type skateboarders where like all right this is it's stupid to say in a way because the girl is trying to forge ahead but like it, it it's throwback in a way like they make sense in a way that other skaters haven't necessarily made sense for girls so yeah nostalgic hit good video i'm glad to see girl skateboards on the upswing manchild is also way more rad the more i watch of him he's been growing on me since doll templeton what are you stoked on i am stoked on the moonrise uh i feel like lots of people don't ever get to see a moonrise for some reason uh it kind of, i think it kind of like sneaks up on people but if you can like plan it and like be looking in the right direction it's a pretty awe-inspiring thing to see uh there's an app called lumos l-u-m-o-s that's like a um, vr thing it uses your camera and you can just point it at the mm. horizon and it'll tell you when and where the moonrise and the sunrise will be it's like super useful um so yeah seeing the moonrise is like a pretty like knock you on your ass epic natural beauty thing so i'd highly recommend trying to you know get up high somewhere and watch the moonrise and i'm gonna try and catch it tonight after uh, we're done recording may i add something sure just to add to that um yeah it's been good viewing of the skies lately because uh jupiter and saturn are also available (laughs) for us to see from earth right now or at least they were like you know last night and two nights ago and actually got to uh it's now getting dark early enough that my kid doesn't have to be in bed and uh she got very excited to come out and see Jupiter, Saturn, and the moon with binoculars. Granted, we have just tiny binoculars, so it didn't work. But um, there's lots of celestial viewing right now. And yeah, I definitely just downloaded Lumos. Going to open that, get in there. But uh, thanks for that, Templeton. Yeah, nice. Go look at the night sky. Nice. Uh, well, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Don't forget to enter our Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 giveaway. Should we remind how to do that? Yeah, we probably should. Yes. So write a review of the podcast on like iTunes or whatever. Take a screenshot of it. Share it on Instagram. Tag at MostlySkateboarding so that we can see it. And you'll be entered. And then we'll figure out who the winners are on september 23rd uh hopefully so, a positive review <laughs> yeah negative reviews um, <laughs> will be uh i guess we'll still count them but you don't gotta be a dick like that um <laughs> until next time you keep you can keep up with us online all week uh jason where can the people find you on the twitter at carbonate1994 on the instagram at frozen carbonate and writing content for quartersnacks.com. Nice. Patrick, where can the people find you? Twitter, at Colonel K Speaks. Instagram, at P. Kigongo. You know what time it is. Nice. Mike, where can the people find you? 
I'm uh, under the same handle on both Twitter and Instagram at M Munzenrider, all fanatic. Templeton, where art thou? Uh, I'm on Twitter at mostly skate and on Instagram at mostly skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Yeah. Digging in the crates, nine nine. Don Carter, bomb harder. Uh, still digging, y'all. Yeah, big L. Yeah, yeah, there's only one way for me to explain The key to this game is Lord Jeff, keep it the same The season remain, only if they bring in the pain Hip-hop won't stop like the heat in my veins The streets know my name, don't call a bomb harder My persona is honored in the Bronx, it's my alma mater I'm smarter than the average Joe, packing the flow, they're stacking the dough Bring the drizz to the back and let's go Fat Joe, I'ma set it straight If you do your hits, I exist from digging in the crates Bringing in the ace, I had to stay up late Playing the corners, but never seen a day upstate Till the day I escape, but see tone at the pearly gates I continue to run shit even after the computer breaks You know the rates, 50 down for every verse that's foul As I bring rhymes to life like a birth of a child We in it, it's our world, you just in it Check the VIP, part of the club, flooded with women Push a plus tenant, truck with thugs in it You never catch any one of us broke with no dubs dropping the limit It's our way of life, you in the game, better play it right Buy a house with only my chains, so play a name your price Fly nigga, since we was crawling, you can ask for pops You ain't really ballin' with that, so Check nigga pass it. the ride crew holding, we all got rides with extra features It's a bunch of y'all, one got dough, the rest is leeches You probably mad cause I be sexin' divas I should pull this pistol out and make them test your sneakers I'm on some cool out shit, but I will pull this tool out quick And put some holes in your new outfit You frontin' hard cause you whip a range But it's a 4.0, you nerd nigga, you heard jigger, now get your change You ain't a willy, you a small soldier Give it up son, it's all over, and you never sold a pound of cane You a clown with fame, going down the drain, all your shit sound the same I'ma shine popo, cause when you got dough, your rocks glow L got a hot flow to rap copo, I'm uptown smoothest My first album left you clowns clueless, saying I'm whack, you sound foolish Niggas hate to see L bubble, they rather see L struggle Cause what they sell, I'ma sell double You wanna see rocks, then look at L wrist If you see me in the club drinking mo, that mean they don't sell crisps We yeah. all self-sinning, it's our world, you just in it Check the VIP, part of the club, flooded with women Push the plus, tenant truck with thugs in it You never catch any one of us broke with no dubs dropping the limit It's our way of life, you in the game, better play it right Buy a house with only my chains, so play a name your price Fly nigga, since we was crawling, you could ask some pops You ain't really ballin' with that, so nigga pass the rock